0: Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also said. And he said unto them, When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him all, or any, as many as he needeth. I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be Be opened. Just titled the messages tonight simply Prayer. Prayer. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege we have to meet together tonight. And Lord, we thank you for this privilege of prayer. And truly, it is a privilege, one that many times we take for granted. Help us, Father, to see the importance and the value of spending time communicating with thee we pray in Jesus name amen I heard older preacher Pastor Al Dickerson say many times that we live in a prayerless age and we live in an age of we want things instantly instant gratification um <coughs> of course, prayer requires patience. It requires endurance. Um, and prayer is the for blessings received. You often hear, if, of course, I don't know, maybe, maybe your age didn't hear these kind of stories, but you know, I've heard of older preachers talking about it in the days of the, the revivals and the all-night prayer meetings. I remember I was up at Maryland one time and uh, J. Bennett Collins was there. And he was talking about traveling with Oliver B. Green in, in tent meetings, and often, you know, the old-time evangelists, you know, Billy Graham re- really changed a lot of this, but the old-time evangelists often would go into an area, set up a tent, and stay six, eight weeks, and often, out of that, a church was started. That's really what a biblical evangelist is. They start churches. But, anyway, he, he talked about that, and he talked about how they would have uh, cottage prayer meetings and all night prayer meetings. I don't know anything about it. You know, well, I've I've been to some cottage prayer meetings, but I've never participated in a prayer meeting. They they began praying, you know, in the sometime in. The, um. But we live in a fast-paced society where we have schedules that we, that take us from this place to this place to this place to this place. We have many gadgets that are supposed to save us time, but we have less time than we ever have to spend meditating or communicating with the Lord, it seems. But prayer requires that we spend time with the Lord. Uh, Somebody has said, when we work, we get what we can do. When we pray, we get what God can do. George Mueller said this, quote, I was not looking at the little in in hand, but at the fullness of God. And that's what prayer is. Prayer doesn't see what we have. It sees what God has. Prayer requires faith. As we think about prayer tonight and this passage of scripture, first of all, we have to pray. You know, the, the disciples ask the Lord, "Teach us to pray, teach us to pray." You know, we have a lot of courses in Bible colleges, and I've often said, "Maybe I'll have a course on prayer." But but the disciples here ask Him, "Teach us to pray." How should we pray? And the Lord gives them some principles. First of all, we need to pray with reverence. Uh, in verse 2 he says, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are to pray or to seek the face of God with reverence, with fear, with awe, uh, with respect. Prayer is not demanding or commanding God to work for us. It is asked." It is beseeching. In chapter twelve, Miriam, you know, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of his Ethiopian wife, and because of that, the Lord struck Miriam with leprosy. And, and the passage, tells us that uh, the Lord or Moses cried to the Lord and said. He who are now, I beseech thee. He was urgent, but yet he came with reverence, asking, not demanding, or not telling God what he needed to do. Though he was very urgent in it, and very you know, uh, desirous of, of, of an answer, according to, to what his desire was, yet he came with respect that God have his way. Heal her now, O Lord, I beseech thee, I beg thee, I ask of thee. It says here that, hallowed be thy name. You know, we, need to, we need to realize that we have to come to God with reverence. The children of Israel had, to, had a problem with this in Malachi chapter 1. In Malachi chapter 1, the children, of Israel, I tells us the children of Israel were still bringing their sacrifices. They were still going through the motions of worship as was commanded by God, but they lacked one thing. They did it without reverence. And it wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Notice Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 says, A son honoreth his father, and he serveth his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise thy name, and you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table is contemptible. And if you offer the blind, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person? Saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God that He will be gracious unto you, unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, Saith the Lord of Hosts. So this is this was predicated by the priests that they were bringing these corrupted sacrifices to the Lord. The Lord says, "Where is mine honor? You know what kind of what kind of sacrifice did God command that they bring? one without blemish? It couldn't be." you know, have scurvy or a broken foot or a damaged eye, no blemishes in their, in the sacrifices. They were bring their best to the Lord. And he, the prophet here, condemns the priest, you know, the, it was the priest's job to inspect the sacrifice that was brought by the people. To see whether it was acceptable to the Lord. And he says, Take it to the governor and see what he'll say about it. You know. See, there was a lack of reverence. There was a lack of reverence. See, so we need to come to God, you know, realizing that He is God. He is the Creator. He is the Almighty. He is the High and Holy One that inhabiteth eternity. And we are His servants. We're his, crea- his creatures. So we have to come to the Lord with reverence with reverence. Secondly, there must be confession of sin. Verse 4 says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. You know, Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The word regard has the idea of to hang on to. You know, it could be it could be a sin you're hanging on to and not willing to let go. Something in your life that's not pleasing the Lord you're not willing to let go. It could be a harboring an evil thought or bitterness against someone that you're holding on to. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. And God cannot. Work through us it. if we regard iniquity in our hearts. You know the psalmist in Psalm fifty-one says that he acknowledged his sin, and and then he said, "Restore unto me the joy of my salvation." You first know, 1 John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And again, then he will restore our fellowship. And we can have that fellowship with Him and we can and we can have access to the power and the blessing of God through prayer. But if there are things in our life that we're not willing to let go that God has touched in our hearts, God's not obligated to hear us. You know, a lot of people think, you know, you'll have people say this, oh, I pray every day. We have a lady that my wife has talked to you quite, quite a bit and, and she, would, she would always say that. And finally, My wife said one time, did you ever think about God may not hear you? And she was kind of struck like, I never thought about that. Oh, God hears. But he's under no obligation to work on our behalf. If there's sin in our life, he cannot fellowship or dwell with sin. so there must be a confession of sin. Uh, in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. You know, if we want God to answer our prayers, to work on our behalf, we have to walk in the light. 1 John 1 verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So, so we we need to be willing to deal with things in our lives that are not pleasing to the Lord so that our prayer can become effectual in our lives. So, prayer, or God working in our behalf, requires that we confess. There must be confession of sin. Thirdly, in prayer, there needs to be supplication. There needs to be supplication. Now, the word supplication and prayer sometimes are used interchangeably, but the word supplication is the idea of a, a request or asking in earnest. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1, well, let's go to Ephesians 6.19, Ephesians 6.19, Paul said, and for me, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, so he makes distinction between two here, in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And verse 19 says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel. So he's asking for supplication, his earnest requests of God on his behalf, that he can, he can have boldness in preaching the gospel. In First Timothy 2, in verse 1, he says, I therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So there needs to be, in prayer. There needs to be supplication. In in uh, James chapter five, I think we have a picture of of supplication. In James five, although the word is not used, but James five verse sixteen, it says, "Confess your faults one another, and pray one another for one for another that you may be healed." The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject like to passions as we are and he prayed earnestly might not rain, rain not near the space and six months. So the effectual prayer of a righteous man and then he says he prayed earnestly and so that's the idea of supplication something that's earnest something that's that you're sincerely deeply desirous of uh, and 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 it's something that you you beseech uh, look at verses eight through ten of Luke he says that that uh, speaking of his friend that he was going to he says though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his in, importunity, his earnestness he will rise and give him as many as he needeth and you ask and it shall be given, seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be open unto you for everyone that asks of the even he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be open. You know, we need to be really desirous and earnestly seeking God's will in our prayer. Seeking the help of the Lord. Supplication. And another that goes along with that is being wholehearted. We might say, you know, we often say this, are you all in? Are you a hundred percent in? Are you all in or not? God desires that we be wholehearted in seeking his face. Psalm hundred and nineteen, verse fifty-eight. Psalm hundred and nineteen, verse fifty-eight. The psalmist says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me, according to thy word. I thought on thy ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. So he entreated his favor with his whole heart. He made haste to keep his commandments. He was all in, one hundred and ten percent. They might, you know, another phrase that's that's used: "No holds barred." We're all in. You know, that's often a phrase referred to when somebody wants to get in the fight. How you want it? No holds barred. Anything goes. May the best man win. You know. Uh, now we need to seek the Lord with a whole heart. Jeremiah says uh, uh, that, th- that the Lord would be found when they would seek Him with their whole heart. Speaking to the nation of Israel. You know, Malachi refers to them being half-hearted. They weren't serious. They were going through the motions, but it wasn't in truth and in righteousness. Now, we need to be whole-hearted earnest, serious, and God wants to see it. I believe the Lord wants to see it in us. And this may require some sacrifice on our part. It's something we don't hear much about in our fast-paced society, in our affluent society, is prayer with fasting. Look, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 21. 1 Kings chapter 21. Now, let me ask you a question before you get there. Who was the wickedest, that's a word, the wickedest king Israel ever had? Ahab. Ahab. All right? Look at 1 Kings chapter 21. Ahab. And Ahab has just taken, of course, through his wife Jezebel, him and Jezebel have just taken. Naboth's vineyard they've had, they've had Naboth's stone in his family so that they can take possession of his vineyard so they've stolen what was not theirs and so Elijah comes and pronounces judgment upon the house of Ahab Ahab and his house so Ahab hears this and verse 27 it says and it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. Now, fasting means you give up something. Usually it has to do with food. I don't know any of us that don't like to eat. We don't like going hungry. Some people say, I get grouchy when I get hungry. Uh... The psalmist said in Psalm 35, 13, he humbled his soul with fasting. Fasting, I think, resets our focus of dependence from the things of the flesh to the things of the spirit. Food has to do with the flesh. We spend a lot of time feeding the flesh. And I'm not saying it's wrong to eat. Don't get me wrong. I like to eat too. But fasting resets our focus as to what's really important. You know, we talk about food and food usually determines the places we go for fellowship or the places we go to eat, you know, the kind of food they have. Food determines a lot of things. And and fasting, again, shows that we're willing to give up something. And And of course, he also put on sackcloth sackcloth was a very un, would be in a very uncomfortable clothing so he made himself uncomfortable and he fasted and and this all shows that Ahab took seriously the judgment that was pronounced against him he took the reward seriously. Remember, this is the most wicked king Israel has had. He seems to have no regard for God. And here he is, he's fasting, and he's gone to the sackcloth, and he's gone softly. That means he's he's, he's, he's being very careful about what he does in respect to the Lord. And verse 28 says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seekest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. And here's the most wicked king in Israel, who seems to have no regard for God, who has persecuted the prophets of God, and this, this judgment is pronounced, and he, he puts on sackcloth, and he fasts, and he goes softly, and the Lord, in response to Ahab's actions he didn't take away the judgment but he softened it he's still going to judge his house but I won't do it in your days Ahab died in battle Jehu executed the judgment upon his house he slew all his sons or had them all slain and of course Jezebel as well but you see, the fasting, the sacrifice, the whole hardness here of Ahab moved or changed God's actions against him. You know, we, the repentance, it shows that repentance is real. It produced works in his life. He gave up something. We need to be wholehearted. We need to be willing. Maybe there's some things in your life that you can't seem to resolve. You can't seem to get answers for. Some strongholds. Maybe some sin that you can't get victory over. Go to to, uh, uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter nine. That didn't look right. Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom was with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken, and then shall they fast. You know, the, the Lord is saying here, there's, there's coming a day. You know, they were, of course, the disciples didn't fast when Jesus was on. But he said, there's coming a day when they'll fast. When they will fast. That day is now. Um, There are many examples in the Bible. Go to Mark chapter chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 28-29. It was mentioning about, you know, there may be a stronghold. There's something that you can't overcome. Notice Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, that there was, a, there was a, uh, a child that was brought to the disciples and they could not heal him. And verse 28 says, And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? So this, this, this child had a foul spirit. And he said unto them, This kind came forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And so, you know, we need to be wholehearted. Be willing to give up something. Willing to sacrifice something in our life. To see God really work in our behalf. In our prayer life. We need also, number five, we need to pray in faith. Believing. Pray in faith. Believing. Um, Mark chapter eleven, while you're there, Mark chapter eleven, and <clears throat> verse twenty two. You know, this 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 verse is misinterpreted by the charismatics and those kind of people, but but Mark Mark eleven twenty two says, And Jesus answering saith unto him, unto them, have faith in God. Verily, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, God's not saying that we should go around moving mountains with our prayers. But he is there may be things in your life that seem like mountains that you cannot move you cannot overcome but with God all things are possible he's not talking literally about moving mountains and of course you know and we'll get to this of course we need to pray according to his will but if it's his, if it's his will it can be done but we need to pray in believing that it can be done. New Hebrews eleven six says, he that cometh God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, James chapter one, verse five, James one verse five. again, talking about asking in faith, James one five says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Notice again, it shall be given him. If you ask God to give you wisdom, he will give it to you. But you have to ask in faith. But let him ask in faith. You know, I'm afraid too many times we, we want wisdom... And we say we believe God has the wisdom and the answers for everything in life, but we go to the world for advice. Is that really trusting God for it? No. No. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that waveth is like the wave of the sea, driven with wind and toss. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Pastor Webb told me one time he had this guy in his church that was considering taking a job which would have taken him away from church. And, you know, he met with Pastor Webb a few times about it and finally Pastor Webb said, you might as well do it because you're not listening to what I'm saying anyway. You've already determined in your heart you're going to do it irregardless of what the Bible says. You know, he acted like he wanted the advice or the wisdom from the Word of God, but he wasn't willing to receive it. And that's a double-minded man. It's a double-minded man. He doesn't really believe or he isn't asking in faith, really desiring to do the will of God. And we need to pray in faith. Pray in faith. In John chapter 11, we have the account of the, la- the raising of Lazarus. And Jesus told Martha that he was, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he are dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he said, believest thou this? And she said, yea, Lord, I believe but when he got to the grave and told them to move the stone, did she believe it then? No, she didn't. Ah, ah, he, he's been dead four days. He stinks. And Jesus said, said I not unto thee that thou wouldest believe? See, we need to believe. We need to have faith in God. We have to have faith. In Ezra chapter 8, you know, Ezra is taking a dangerous journey. Of course, you know, and, and Ezra's, Ezra's returning from Persia back to the land of Israel. Uh, they have many enemies. It's a long journey. And he could have asked for a band of soldiers to protect them in the way. And in this account, they're taking with them the gold and the silver that goes with the temple, which today would be worth millions of dollars. And they're taking that with them on this journey back to the land of Canaan. But Ezra says this in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way. For us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king hand of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. So there were, he knew there was enemies out there. He knew that, that they could be robbed on the way. That was a very likely possibility. He knew all that. But he says, Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, But his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this and he was entreated of us. Israel wholeheartedly believed that they were doing the will of God and that God would provide the protection they needed. But he was wholehearted enough to Fast and pray, willing to sacrifice to get the protection God promised his people. You know, God makes many promises to us. He promises us that we can overcome any stronghold, any, any, any uh, thing, uh, sin in our life may, that may be a stranglehold in our life. We can overcome it. We can overcome it through the power of God, but it may require some sacrifice on our part wholeheartedness. So we need to be wholehearted. We need to pray in faith that He will do it. And then lastly, we need to pray according to His will. According to His will. Uh, in, In Luke chapter 11 there, He says... Verse two, and he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom t- come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Thy will be done. You know we need we need to pray. According to his will. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, 1 John five fourteen and 15, beloved John says, "And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we that the petitions that we desired of him. Now, you know, the question we need to ask ourselves, am I praying for God's will or am I praying for what I want? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Now, we know that if you're praying for someone to be saved, that's God's will. Because God would have all men to be saved to come to the knowledge of the truth. But many times there's things in our that that we that we maybe would desire to have that maybe isn't God's will for us. the The key is to delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires in thine heart. But we have to delight in Him, in the Lord. And sometimes praying according to God's will is not. a something. When Elijah prayed would not rain for three and a half years was that I tell you it made him look like the bad guy he was the bad guy he was considered the troubler of Israel but was he praying God's will yes he was because of their apostasy one of the judgments of God was famine And Elijah prayed for it. Elijah prayed for it. So we need to be willing, even if it hurts, to pray for God's will to be done. Even if it's difficult, sometimes it's not easy. You know, I remember a lady that we used to go to church with. They, her and her husband talked a lot about missions, but she sort of jokingly said this, but I don't think it was a joke. You know, they like to see people go to the mission field. But not my babies! So how serious are you about doing the will of God? Do you want your children to serve the Lord? Then whatever the Lord calls them into. It may be to stay, but it may mean they pull up stakes and move to Taiwan. See, we need to pray for what God's will is, not what we want. I read a story several years ago about a guy by the name of Dr. Percival. Dr. Percival had a daughter. Who believed that God wanted her to go to the mission field? But her father said, As long as I'm living, you're not leaving my sight. But Dr. Percival lost his eyesight. God took his eyesight. And he said, I said, you will not leave my sight, but God has taken you out of my sight. He would not let her go because of what he wanted, not what the Lord wanted. You see, we need to pray for what the Lord wants. You know, prayer is a great privilege. There's great power in prayer. You know, Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee, Great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. There's great power and privilege in prayer. And we need to use that privilege for the glory of God, to see Him work in our lives, the lives of our church. Psalmist in Psalm 34 Psalm 34, and verse six says, "This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him." Psalm 34, verse six. This poor man cried; the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. For the Lord, a camp of about fear him, and delivereth him. Oh, taste to see the Lord is good; blesses a man. That trusteth in him. You see we need to. Avail ourselves. Of the privilege. And the power. That is available to us. Through prayer. And we need to come to him. Believing. That he will answer. According to his will. Oh, God wants to do great and mighty things. Now, I'm not talking about changing, quite and doing miracles and, well, wait a minute. But I am. You know, there are, there are people that you may be trying to reach that seem unreachable. God can reach them us. He can work. There may be things in your life that you think you cannot overcome, but God can enable you to. Maybe we need to be serious and wholehearted. Maybe we need to seek his face in a greater way than we ever have. So might God help us to avail ourselves of the power and privilege Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. And I pray that you'd help us as your people to avail ourselves of this great privilege, this access wherein we stand, knowing that we have a high priest in the heavens that intercedes in our behalf. So Lord, just forgive us where we fail and help us to use the privilege we have To humble ourselves before you and seek your face for the needs, confessing our sin, that we might hear and see you work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.